welcome back to the Hayden Ratner Level Up Leadership Podcast. This is actually episode one. Come on, just make some noise. Let's go. We made it. This is episode one. I want to just give a quick shout out to everybody who hit the subscribe button, who left a review, put a star on it. Come on, put a five star on it and uh, just shared kind things. I know a lot of people have hit me up over the past couple weeks and said, man, we're waiting for episode one to drop. And uh, thank you for your patience. Um, Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your willingness to level up your leadership. That's the intention of this podcast. That's why this podcast exists, that you would jump on here. Maybe you're on a drive, maybe you're on a run, maybe you're just starting your day, or maybe you're just closing your day, but you're leaning in to get a little bit better when it comes to leadership. And that's what I want to deposit today. I've been preaching through a series at Walk Church regarding the word momentum and how do you have leadership momentum. Uh, You have leadership momentum by making sure you're clear on what leadership is and then being able to apply it. So one of the things that we've done at, at Walk is we've defined the word lead by using an acronym. And the L for lead is learners, leaders, are learners. I've been leaning into that subject for the past few weeks. I preached a sermon called Leaders Are Learners. If you want to check that out, you can visit it at walkchurch.com. But I thought, let me apply that to myself for this first episode of the podcast and talk about things that I've learned as a leader along my journey. I, I thought about three specific titles, subjects that I think everybody across the board listening can can pull something out of, can grow from. That's what I'm going to lean into today. So the three subjects, just to give you a little trailer, are sports, along the sports journey, what's a leadership lesson that the Lord has taught me? Um, Family, uh, what's something that the Lord has taught me about leadership in the context of family? And then ministry, what's something that the Lord has taught me in the context of ministry, church planting, whatever type of ministry lane you're in, I think you can pull from these. And, and let me just say one more thing. Maybe you're not an athlete. You, you've never really played sports. I still think you can learn from the leadership principle that I'm gonna share. Maybe you're not in ministry. I still think you can learn from the leadership principle I'm gonna share. Maybe you're not married or maybe you don't have kids or maybe you're single. Um, I still think you can learn from the family leadership principle that I'm gonna share today. So I hope you're ready. Come on, if you're ready, wherever you're at, just say ready. And let's jump in to the podcast here today. Number one, when it comes to leaders are learners, there's something that I've learned in regards to sports that's really helped me over the past, I don't know, 20 years. I grew up playing basketball. I played uh, in high school, AAU, I was the Gatorade Player of the Year for the state of Nevada um, in actually 2004 and 2005. That That is mind-blowing that it was that long ago, but for that season, I um, was grateful for that year and got to play Division One college basketball at James Madison, finished up at a school called Mercyhurst in Pennsylvania, uh, played professionally in Israel, coached collegiately in Kentucky, and am still around the game today, primarily raising up my uh, sons to be the next Ratner basketball players coming out of Las Vegas. So I'm excited about that. With that said, though, I love sports and I love to learn leadership from sports and in the context of sports. And my memory takes me back to a moment that I had when I was in high school. And I remember driving with a guy who was was training and coaching me 
um, really a guy who really influenced and invested in my life a lot in my high school years, and his name is Mitch. Uh, Coach Mitch is an awesome dude um, from New York, New York to the fullest. Um, but one thing he did was he invested in me as a high school athlete, and he would pick me up and take me to the gym, and we would do different training, and he would really invest in my life. And along the drives, go into practices or workouts, he would always uh, share some life principles with me. Well, I remember this one specific drive, it stayed with me, where we were talking about um, just different players in the city. And I was, I was talking, man, I'm better than him. I could, I could play better than him. I, I want to, I want to go higher. I want to score more points than him. And I remember coach Mitch dropped this leadership principle on me. I don't think he was necessarily trying to, but he did. And he said, you know what, Hayden, you know, the area you need to grow in. I said, what? And he said, you need to be humble. And at the time, I had never really heard the word humble even used. It wasn't in my vocabulary. I said, what does it mean to be humble? What do you mean I need to be humble? And he said, man, you really are big on yourself. You're, you're patting yourself on the back. You, you're, you're confident, but I don't know if you're humble. And I realized, you know what? There's an essence of humility that you can bring into the sporting environment where you can still strive for greatness and at the same time still be humble. Here, here's what I learned throughout my journey at that from that point on. I learned that, you know, you don't you don't have to be soft to be humble. You can still be strong. You can still be passionate. You can still strive for greatness while at the same time still being humble. Uh, you don't have to be lazy to be humble. You can still get up and give it your best. You don't have to have low self-esteem or think less of yourself. You can actually be humble while still striving to be great. I want to encourage somebody with that that's leaning in right now. One of the greatest leadership principles that I could deposit to your life right now is be humble. Something I learned from Coach Mitch at an early age and something that I've seen play out over the course of my life that maybe I had a great game. Well, I don't need to brag on that. In fact, the, the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 27 verse 2 says, let someone else praise you. And not your own mouth. Let let somebody else do the boasting or the bragging about you. You can be humble. Here's what it means to be humble. Being humble says, you know, I might not have all the answers. I might not be the best, but I'm going to give my best. Being humble says, you know what? I don't need to be a credit craver. I can be a credit giver. D do you feel like, you know what? I need the credit. I need somebody to praise me. I need somebody to comment or like this. I need somebody to give me my value or my worth by giving me the glory. Let me even remind you, you're not created for the glory. You're created in his image to give him glory, him and re re regarding God, the one who made you, the one who woke you up today. So we have all types of reasons to be humble. If you're an athlete today, I want to encourage you to be humble. Um, be great, but be humble. Uh, let me even say this. You, you can be humble and still be hungry. You can be humble and say, you know what? It's not all about me. I'm not a me monster. I'm not focused all on me. I, I want to help my teammates get better. I want to help others get better. I want to not just be a credit craver. I'm gonna, I want to be a credit giver and I'm going to still be, be humble. Let me give you a couple verses to support this principle. In the book of Exodus, you'll find this cat, Pharaoh and Moses and Aaron and God's doing this miraculous work to set his people free. And this is the first time the word humble is used in the Bible. It's in Exodus chapter 10, verse three. 
and, and Aaron and Moses approach Pharaoh at the time, who would be known as the leader of the land. And they say, how long will you refuse to be humble? He was refusing to be humble. He was prideful. The opposite of humble is pride. Psalm 25 verse 9 says, He leads humble the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. Love this verse, Proverbs 11 verse 2. It says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. When you prioritize being humble, you're wise. Leaders are learners. When you're prideful, you feel like you know it all. When you're humble, you are looking to learn it all. And I want to encourage you to be humble. Uh, Jesus talks about humility. He talks about what it means to be humble in Matthew 23, verse 12. He says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. So if you feel like you you have to exalt yourself and, and make yourself big and make yourself known and you want to be an influencer for yourself, well, God says, that's how you're going to be humbled. But if you humble yourself... God will do the exalting. He'll take you to the next level. One of the greatest leadership lessons you can learn is simply this, be humble. Final verse that I want to give you in the context of being humble is 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Now, Peter's an interesting dude. He's a leader. Uh, Peter had great influence. He was a leader within the church. He was a disciple of the Lord Jesus. But I think he struggled at times with being humble. Peter, I've, I've learned a lot from Peter because sometimes I can just go ahead and say things off the cuff or whatever comes to my head, I'll just spout it out. But I realized that's not the wisest choice. Um, maybe think before you speak, right? Peter w- was quick, right? He would always just say stuff that was on on his mind, even when it was wrong. Peter pulled out a sword and cut a dude's ear off <laughs> toward the end of Jesus's earthly life, right before he went to the cross. Um, Jesus, come on, put pick the ear up and put it back on. Be humble. Um, but Peter says it like this in 1 Peter 5, verse 5. He says, clothe yourselves with humility, all of you. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I once heard this from uh, Pastor Vance Pittman from Hope Church and now with Send Network. He said, when you think about this phrase, God opposes the proud, think about a stiff arm. You don't want to be on the other side of God's stiff arm, right? Um, God opposes the proud. You don't want to be on the opposing side of God, uh, but you want to be on the side of the one who's giving grace. Uh, You want to be a recipient of God's grace. Well, he says he gives grace to the humble. So I want to encourage you with that here today. Um, Be humble. Amen? Can you just amen that right there? If you're a leader... Uh, Don't feel like you're leading for leadership's sake. Lead to give God glory. One way to do that is to be humble. Let me give you the second leadership principle that I've learned along the journey that I think could minister and encourage somebody here today. It's the in the topic of ministry. Um, Maybe you've been in ministry. Maybe you're a church planter. I I walk in church planting spaces. My wife and I planted Walk Church uh, a little over seven years ago. And it's been a joy to be a part of what God's doing through church planting. I also serve as the Send City Missionary with the Send Network here in Las Vegas. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking about church planting, think about Las Vegas and hit me up because God's doing a great work in this city. I want to share something that I learned along the church planting journey that really helped me in ministry. It's a quote. I referenced him earlier. Let me reference him again. Pastor Vance Pittman. Um, He's like a spiritual father in the faith for me. 
and has really invested in my life. And I've learned so much from his leadership and discipleship. Uh, one thing that Vance told me early on in the life of our church, he said this, he said, one Sunday won't make you and one Sunday won't break you. And I needed to hear that because if you're in ministry, you know that Sundays just roll around quick. You know, you might get through a Sunday, take a breath, high five a team member, encourage yourself, encourage other people. But can I just tell you, once Monday comes around, Sunday's coming quick. You're already thinking about the next week's sermon. You're already thinking about the next week's worship set. You're thinking about how you could have got better last week and how you can get better for the next week. And Sunday comes around quick. But here's the encouragement that I learned from Pastor Vance that I've had to go back to. One Sunday won't make you and one Sunday won't break you. That means that you could have an amazing Sunday, an incredible Sunday. Well, don't put all your eggs in just that basket because there's more to come, um, Lord willing. And if you have a terrible Sunday and just the, the lights didn't work, the mic cut out, your, it wasn't your favorite sermon if you're a preacher, it wasn't your best day in kids ministry, maybe you just skipped it all together and you slept in and you didn't even make it to church. Hey, let, let me encourage you, that Sunday won't break you. Uh, get back up. Here's something I learned about leadership. If you want to level up in your leadership, uh, you got to learn how to have endurance. Endurance, let me define it for you. Webster's Dictionary defines the word endurance as the ability to withstand hardship or adversity. Don't quit when adversity hits. I think adversity is an actually, it's it, adversity is an opportunity for you to get better. Adversity is an opportunity for you to be humble and for you to go to God. Adversity is an opportunity. In fact, adversity is an invitation for you to say, you know what, let me, let me test my strength here. Let me go to the Lord and and not lean on my own understanding, not lean on my own wisdom and, and strength, but let me lean on Him in this time. So don't run from adversity, run into adversity with the Lord. That's a good way to grow as a leader. I, I've learned that over the years, I tend to grow through tension. If everything is all just rosy and peachy and just kind of skipping through the field of ministry, never any tension, I've learned I don't grow. It's actually in moments of conflict or in moments of challenge or in moments of innovation. These are opportunities to grow and get better. But let me lean back to the first point, but to be humble. I don't want to approach ministry like I got all the answers. I want to have good books around me. I want to have good leaders around me. I don't want to be the smartest dude in the room I'm in. If I'm the smartest dude in the room, I'm in the wrong room. Put me in a new room that I can grow in and get better in. I learned this principle um, from a pastor out of Birmingham, Alabama, uh, Pastor Chris Hodges. He pastors an incredible church there called the Church of the Highlands. And notice how I'm, I'm naming different leaders who have influenced my life <clears throat> because leaders are learners. And I've learned a lot along the journey. Um, I remember Chris Hodges, he once shared this, um, <clears throat> excuse me, at a leadership a session that he was doing, and he referenced a story regarding Chick-fil-A's founder, Truett Cathy. And Truett Cathy, I don't know if you know this story, but there was this season in the life of Chick-fil-A where um, Cathy was leading the Chick-fil-A team. They were just really getting started. They were starting to experience momentum as an organization, as a restaurant. But there were a lot of different chicken companies um, around the Atlanta area so the competition was really heavy when it came to Chick-fil-A. And uh, Truett called a meeting with his team one day, and he said, you know, there's, 
There's competition from uh, all these different other chicken places. And one of the, the staffers rose up in the meeting and said, you know what, Truett, I know what we need to do. We need to get bigger. We need to get bigger. Because if we get bigger, then we'll outgrow the other organizations. And Truett Cathy had a great word. He said, we don't need to get big bigger. We need to get better. And he says, if we get better, our customers will demand we get bigger. And I thought that was such a good word, especially in the context of ministry, because I know for a lot of people, including me, we, we think about growth. We think about getting better. We think about, you know what? I want our church to grow. I want our student ministry to grow. I want our worship team to grow. I want our Sundays to grow. I want our small groups to grow. I want our budget to grow. I want our church planning efforts to grow. I want this thing to get bigger. I do. I want the kingdom to get bigger because of my life. I want the kingdom of God to expand because of our church. I want the kingdom to grow because of you listening to this or watching this right now. But Truett had a great principle. He said, you know how you want to get, you you know how you're going to get bigger? It's by getting better. So let me go ahead and take that back to the original point. Uh, One Sunday won't make you. One Sunday won't break you. So here's what we should do. We should strive to get better. Don't just focus on getting bigger. Focus on getting better. One thing we do as a church is every Monday, I'll get with our production team, some of the different team members on our worship, some of the different team members that contribute in specific ways to Sunday. And I'll say, okay, let's talk about areas we can thank the Lord for Sunday. Where do we see him moving? Now let's talk about areas where we can get better. Where do we see opportunities for growth? Where do we see other areas for development? If you don't have a meeting right now in place where you're just focusing on getting better, I would encourage you to potentially try that. Get some people in the room that can help you get better and answer some meaningful, difficult even questions that can move you from A to B and B to C and D to E and you can just keep getting better. Take the principle from Truett Cathy. When your organization gets better, people will want to be a part of it. Your customers, is what he said, but not just customers, those who call your church family, your family members, those people that live in your city, the people you do life with, they'll demand that this thing gets bigger if you continue to get better. So I want to encourage you with that thought. Have endurance. One Sunday won't make you. If you just launched a church, hey, there's another Sunday coming. Come on, get better. As you look at, as I think about our walk church journey, I I remember when, you know, we just had, it was such a minimal setup. Seven years later, it's a a much more deeper setup. And praise God for our dream team. We have over 150 people on our dream team serving in different capacities, bringing the dream to life. Well, that team was once 15, but we've just continued to get better. I was reminiscing with my wife, Nina. We once had, um, we once were given the hallways at Schofield Middle School for our kids ministry. So no classrooms. We had to meet in the hallway. And so we would set up baby gates and padding on the hallway floors and say, you know what? This is the season that God has us in. We're going to maximize the season. We're going to keep getting better today. And we'll trust God with the results tomorrow. And I really believe you can start preparing for growth by getting better today. Come on, let me say that one more time. You can start preparing for growth by getting better today. Amen. That's one of the ways you can level up in your leadership when it comes to ministry. All right, let me give you the last one. And then we're going to close out today, today's podcast. Come on, this is episode one. We're getting better today. I'm pumped. Let's go. Don't tune out. This is an important one. Level up your leadership when it comes to family. 
I remember reading a book when I was, um, when I just got married. Nina and I got married in 2011. We were in Israel. Uh, coming up on our 11-year uh, marriage anniversary, just in a couple weeks. Man, praise the Lord, I need to start getting my gifts ready. Oh, yeah. Um, and I remember reading this book. It's written by a pastor named C.J. Mahaney. The book is titled Sex, Romance, and the Glory of God. And I remember just a, a, a few months into being a husband, I picked up this book and I wanted to grow in these areas that the book is uh, referencing. It's talking about sex in the context of marriage. It's talking about romance. It's talking about the glory of God. How do those three things work together? Well, hey, pick up the book. Um, and one of the lines that CJ says in the book, he says, in order for romance to deepen, you must touch the heart and mind of your wife before you touch her body. Let me go ahead and say that one more time. In order for romance to deepen, you must touch the heart and mind of your wife before you touch her body. And for those who are listening right now, wives listening right now, um, go ahead and just apply that verse to your husband as well. Consider how you can touch the heart and mind of your husband uh, even before you touch his body. Um, I think that there's something deep here that I want to unlock, and that is getting to know your family well. Um, that's really what I want to encourage you with, the leadership principle of, of, of knowing somebody, of getting to know them deeply, of, of loving somebody without even physical touch yet. I mean, get to that. I'm for that. Uh, I, the Bible's for that. But something that the Lord has been teaching me as a leader in my home, as a leader in my marriage, a, a leader in my family, my wife and I have four little boys, ages seven and below. I've had to learn how to think deeply on how to touch their minds, to not just be with them in a physical sense, but how, how can I know my seven-year-old well enough that I can touch his mind with something that will help him grow as a young man, as a developing leader, even as a second grader? I want to apply that to my relationship with my wife. One of the things I've been, I've been thinking about is I need to initiate better in my marriage. Can anybody amen that? I don't know if you're listening to this right now and you feel me on that, but I've realized what, what isn't the most helpful thing is when I come to Nina and say, hey, where do you want to go to eat tonight? Um, because there's a lot of different options. In Las Vegas, we got great food places all over the place. But I've learned I need to study my wife well enough to know, here's where you want to go eat tonight because I know you. I've studied you. Um, I know what brings you joy. I know your tastes. I know your distaste. I know when you are craving a coffee. And maybe I want to just stop and go bring that home. I don't even need to text you what your order is because I already know it because I've been studying you. Um, before you uh, touch your wife's body, learn to touch her heart. Here's what I've learned. Leaders initiate and leaders bring suggestions. Um, I want to encourage you, leader, to, when it comes to family, bring a suggestion. I have an idea. Um, I've, I've, I've learned, okay, my wife would want to go out on a date at this time. Let me initiate that with her. Let me not just sit back and wait if she initiates it with me. Uh, let me be on the initiating and let me lead with encouragement. Let me lead with love. In the context of family, you can, you can do this. Maybe you're single right now and maybe you want to just start applying this with the family members you do have around you. It could be 
siblings. It could be parents. You could start working on leadership initiation in the context of the family that you have with you. I'm speaking specifically to fellow husbands here uh, with this quote, but you can still take the principle of initiation. Leaders are not passive. Leaders are not sitting back waiting for stuff to happen. Leaders aren't sitting on their hands, you know, just kind of saying, hey, hopefully something happens today. No, leaders are using their hands to initiate. Leaders are saying, God, put something in my hands that I can use for your glory. So today, in the context of your family, be an initiator. Suggest something. Lead with something. Bring something home because you know it's going to bless somebody. Um, Think forward for your spouse. Think, hey, you know what? What would be a good idea to, to bless and lead in the context of my family today, and then go do it. You know, I, I recently celebrated a birthday and my wife got me a birthday present that was totally me. I, I opened it up, it was a specific type of sweater. And I looked at her, I thought, how'd you know I wanted this? I didn't talk to her about this. I didn't send her a link. I didn't, it's almost like she knew my mind. You know what I'm talking about? That's what I'm talking about is when you can know somebody so well because you've studied them, because you're getting to, to know them. Think about that phrase. It says, Adam knew his wife. It translates to the Greek word gnosko. It's an intimate knowing. So for my husbands on this right now, or wives on this, or uh, maybe, maybe students, think about people in your life and think, okay, as a leader, I want to get to know somebody well enough so so that I can lead with a suggestion. I can lead with initiation. I'm not going to be passive. I'm not going to wait for somebody else to lead me. I'm going to lead today with forward focus, optimistic faith, and encouragement for somebody else, specifically in the context of your family. It could be a phone call. It could be a text message. That's my homework assignment for you today is lead with initiation, get to know somebody Or maybe you know them well enough already and you can bless them with something here today. So those were the three things we covered today. Three things that I've learned along the journey with sports. Be humble. Um, God exalts those who are humble. Uh, He he brings low those who exalt themselves. Um, Number two, in the context of ministry, one Sunday won't make you, one Sunday won't break you. Have endurance. Just come on, get right back. Up. The righteous person, person falls seven times, but gets back up again. Come on, that's the evidence of a great leader, somebody who can get back up, somebody who can experience adversity and say, I'm bouncing right back up in him. And then third, family. Uh, in order to deepen romance, uh, before you touch the body of your spouse, touch the mind and the heart of your spouse. That's going to deepen intimacy. I know that's marriage-specific, Um but I think you can apply the principle of getting to know somebody and touching their mind and heart well in this season. Hopefully you leveled up in your leadership today. I want to encourage you to hit the subscribe button, uh, leave a review, share this podcast. Maybe somebody else may want to lean into these three principles. I hope that you got something better here today. Drop in the comment section something you learned. That'll encourage me. That'll help me know that you're you're consuming the content and getting better from it. Come on, this is level up leadership content. And I pray that it's helpful for you. I want to give a quick thank you to my guy, Pastor Wes Hodges. Uh, Really 
the, the, the brains behind the setup. He is our tech genius at Walk Church and at the same time an amazing pastor and friend. Um, and so Pastor Wes, he was just on a mission trip in South Africa. He's now back, him and his wife, Jeannie, and he's heading up the podcast today. So thank you, P-Dub, for making it great. Also want to give a shout out to my bro, Wilson. He is on our team here at Walk Church and, and leads in a lot of communication and creative spaces, bringing these podcasts and social media clips to life. And so, Wils, love you, man. Thank you for being a great leader and leaning in on here as well. And I want to thank everybody, finally, for jumping in on episode number one. This is a historical moment. First episode, pray it helped you, pray it blessed you. Let's keep getting better together. Peace.